This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past six. Welcome to Sunday morning. Did you survive the weekend? Are you going to survive today? I do hope so. I think I'll, find, I'll tell you what the weather is in a moment, actually, because I have a feeling it's going to be a, another hottie. The MPs held over the claims of his wife's affair, the ridiculous Karen, the selfie, bloated face little person who does these selfie pictures, and now she's got her personal trainer staying overnight. I don't think you should read anything into that, but to be honest with you, I mean, I should imagine the husband's side of the bed is still warm. Uh, the hate mail, believe it or not, for the family of Asher, you know, the little boy who's taken out of the country to get a cure for his cancer. The family have received hate mail. I'd get these people into court as fast as possible. Uh, Britain's high-profile charity chief facing fresh controversy overnight. And I've met her. I'm never quite sure how to pronounce her surname. We know her first name's Camilla. We know she runs this um, charity. And we know that the, they've said, the government, that they're going to withhold funding unless she steps down. There's obviously something not, not quite right about it. I don't quite understand her. I've sat next to her for dinner. She's been given awards before. She seems perfectly pleasant. She always has the brightest selection of outfits. I mean, seriously, the brightest selection of outfits. There's just something not right. You know, slight alarm bells are ringing, and I don't know what, so we'll have to go through that later on. Uh, also, the record number of dustmen who suffer bin rage attacks. Bin, have you ever heard of such a thing? Bin rage attack. Who on earth would be attacking a dustman? Ridiculous. Kelly Maloney goes out on a date. Luckily takes a photographer. Her date looks less than impressed. It's some short little fat squat man whose shoes are dirty and his trousers are concertining her over them. He could have found, she could have found somebody a little bit better, I thought so. And the fat family, nicknamed the Teletubbies, have now shed 26 stone. That's because mum's walked out. They haven't actually lost weight. This is the ridiculous Chawner family. There's so many ridiculous people around. Katie Price has been dubbed a clueless bimbo. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? I mean, if the cap fits. And this is the, uh, the reason that she was in the papers yesterday. Yes, Katie Price has been fined. Uh, for jumping red lights. And as usual, the uh, the brainless one has got excuses which go as long as, uh, as, long as a small book. Uh, she was given a fine and three points. She jumped a red light, but then she forgot her credit card. Oh, dear. Anyway, uh, she's having to pay for it. It's £1,220. And uh, she was told she'll be jailed if she didn't cough up the money. I mean, God, I, mean, I hope she's got it. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Uh, she passed the light at 44 miles an hour. She was also accused of not telling the police she was behind the wheel of her Bentley Continental. In other words, she tells lies as well. So she changed her plea at the last minute and admitted failing to comply with a red light. No evidence was offered on not giving driver details. She was watched by husband. <laughs> Still together, are you, Kieran? Hilarious. Hilarious. And um, apparently she's had a lot on her plate. What's like burger, chips, kebab, I don't know, what, what sort of things are she had on her plate? Apparently she's had a, has to visited Baby Bunny in hospital and moving house. Oh, and apparently she didn't recall passing the light. That's like sort of saying, you know, I've had so much on my plate, I didn't... And, and then you knock somebody down. Um, I don't remember that, but... Yeah, you knock somebody down. You know, if she can't remember going over a red light, what in God's name was she doing on the road in the first place? I think to describe her as a clueless bimbo kind of fits, doesn't it, really? You couldn't have a conversation with her because she's so monotone and so dim. It would be almost a bit uh, a bit of a waste of space and time, I suspect. Mind you, dragging that little handbag she's got with her, that, that little Kieran. Come on, come on, come on, Kieran, come on. 
Drags him around like a sort of tame bunny rabbit. A little bit disappointing, isn't it? Does he have a job? Not really, no. Does he do anything? Not really. Does he Does he have sex with her friends? Certainly does. <laughs> so we laughed at it. Uh, we had to laugh at it because, to be honest with you, it was just so ironic, wasn't it? Men's Wimbledon finals. The, the tickets to that, 65,000 a pair. 65,000 a pair. And, and I thought to myself, good Lord... I mean, that was absolutely amazing. And then we all got very excited, didn't we? And I did warn you, it's going nowhere. Heather Watson, get hit, and, oh, she's out. You know, she is ranked 59th or something. That's why we'd never heard of her before. I'd never heard of her. Never even heard of her. They sort of drag these people out. It's like the boxing people, isn't it? They go to cemeteries and old people's homes, and they dig them up, and they go, you're, you're fighting Bruno. Uh-huh. You're fighting Frank Bruno. Oh. You know, we give you 20 quid. And so they dragged out poor old Heather Watson and, you know, they put her up against Serena. Well, to be honest with you, she might as well have just, you know, laid her racket down and walked off and held her head in shame. There was no chance she was going to win. You know, Serena toyed with her for the first little bit, didn't she? And then, you know, the papers were full of it. And I did say at the time, why don't we just leave our tennis players alone? The more publicity they get, and I bet she's done no end of photo shoots. So they can go, here she is, and she had a picture of Serena on her wall. So? What difference does that make? Answer, nothing at all. She just lost it. You know, the crowd was sort of baying her on. Come on, they did the same to Henman. What did he do? Lose every time. Every time. And we go, she's ranked 59th. You might as well have said, you know, don't even bother getting changed, love. You'll be off the court quite quickly. And she was. 6 2 4 6 Seven five. Although Serena Williams, you know, to give her a due, she did say that was the toughest match ever. You know, basically patting her on the head and saying, "Don't bother again, love. You're up against a professional here." So there's no doubt going to be loads of stories about. You know, one day we might have a Wimbledon champion. One day, apart from Andy Murray, we're not not classing him as a Wimbledon champion. Really, we're just putting it down to luck and the fact that his mother's fairly pushy. Uh, then we had on the uh, on the Sunday papers. Sorry, on the Saturday papers. I was, I was so excited about the Saturday papers. Because every time I look at a picture of little Karen Danshuk, or whoever she pronounced her name, all I see is some fat-faced, fairly plain-looking person who's got big bosoms, who just wants to show them off to people for some strange reason. And yet, of course, the embarrassment of all embarrassments. You know, she's got children. And then this trainer moves in. He's slightly odd, isn't he? Middle of a heat wave, and he's wearing a puffer jacket. I'm sorry, a puffer jacket? If, if you're a trainer, I mean, she's wearing, obviously, something to advertise his little business. And um, no doubt she's got something up her sleeve. More more uh, bingo wings, I suspect. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean that, honestly. I did. I did mean that, actually. People make me say it on a Sunday morning. But you'd be disappointed if you didn't tune in and I was being rude about one person or another. But to be honest with you, I mean, there can't be anybody who likes her. Even her husband hates her now. Said I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. Judging by the size of her, you won't be able to throw her very far. But at least... No, you made me say this. I, you know, I start the programme with all good intentions. And I think, I'm going to be nice about people. It's a Sunday morning. Be nice. Somebody said to me the other day, why are you so horrible about people? So I blocked them. <laughs> I thought, now you've got no friends. Now you've got nobody to talk to. So here is little Ben... Little Ben's got his... And I say, a boiling hot day. She's wearing usual sort of showy-offy kind of outfits. Bad hair. We need to get your hair sorted out, Karen. Perhaps they can give you a makeover, dear. Somewhere. Anyway, little Ben turns up and he's got his little puffer jacket on with the hood up. Bless his heart. He looks like somebody's tied him up in an anorak. And he stayed all night. Now, I'm not reading anything into that because, to be quite honest, unless he set his sights particularly low, then there is no point, is there? You know, he might have spent the night in the spare bedroom. 
feeling somewhat queasy. I love the way that she peers out the house in the morning just to make sure the cameraman is still there so he can get a picture of him leaving. You know, that's how it works, isn't it, really? I did watch the Jeremy Carl show the other day. That's a bit dreary. And uh, isn't half as good. And then there's another Jeremy Carl show, which is exactly the same as the last one. And then you've got poor old uh, Claire Balding's programme, which is just awful. It's another Wimbledon thing where they've sort of done away with you know, a proper studio thing, and they've got some bar thing where they've stood Claire up. Now, the trouble is, Claire's looking a little bit more butch these days. You know, because she's had her hair cut fairly manly, you know, and you think to yourself, if she grew her hair longer, that would be a good look. I suspect she looks in the mirror and she doesn't see that, but I think it takes somebody else to be able to tell you. It's not her fault that the format is flawed. In fact, the format is so dire. It's the same person who revamped it, who I think did Ski Sunday or something like that. So whatever it is, it's Claire Balding standing there looking woefully out of her depth with an audience that are a bit like TFI Friday. It's ghastly. It's absolutely awful and quite rightly so. And also, I think in an hour programme, 29 minutes of tennis, the rest of it was just waffle. Just pure, unadulterated waffle, which was absolute rubbish. You know, and doesn't do her any favours whatsoever. Very strange. I read Lorraine Kelly's column. The other day, and uh, you're you're wonderful, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful. I don't know where I am, and you're really lovely, and I love myself, and I do a little cookery program, and I'm doing some fashion. All that she looks like she's asleep to me. I'm convinced they've painted eyes on her eyelids that make it look as though her eyes are open, and that's why she looks like she's caught in headlights. I think she's nodded off, and she writes something here. She talks about um, beloved Bernie. Okay, I didn't know who she was talking about to start with, and it ties in quite nicely with another story in the papers. And she says, I just cannot believe it's two years to the day since we lost the force of nature that was Bernie Nolan. The force of nature that was Bernie Nolan. This this was one bit of the singing sisters who all hated each other. They all hated each other. Nobody got on at all. One of them wrote a book about being abused by their paedophile father. Uh, One, of course, was up on benefit fraud, but of course just an oversight. And then I believe that they were saying Bernie's dying wish was to make sure that all the girls started talking. Well, they quite clearly hate each other. They quite, and you can understand it, can't you? The fat one on the. Colleen, the, um, well, sorry, I, I said fat. I mean, that's probably very rude, but she used to be thin and then she put on weight and then she brought out a video, video and then she put the weight back on again. I personally think she was eating all the remaindered copies, but there you go, that's just my business. And so nobody got on at all together. Colleen never featured on the hits. She la la And so here we go. This is Lorraine Kelly on Bernie Nolan, OK? Always tragic, always tragic. But, I mean, talk about trying to inflate somebody. She says here... She was the kind of woman who lit up every room she entered with that big, generous personality and God-given talent. What? Bernie Nolan? I seriously, I thought we were talking about Princess Grace of Monaco. I had no idea this was the Nolan sisters. My thoughts today are with her husband, Steve, and daughter, Erin, the whole of the extended Nolan clan. And for that read, nobody will be acknowledging it. And everybody else who loved this remarkable woman. But it was the lines there, the force of nature that was Bernie Nolan. Was it because she went on the programme and somebody wrote to her? Because I bet she wouldn't have remembered. And gone, do you know, it's two years to the day since Bernie Nolan died. All right, I'll write something. She was the kind of woman who lit up every room she entered with that big, generous personality and God-given talent. I think they say the same about James O'Brien. That big, generous personality just lights up every room when he walks into it. It does if he's taken a flamethrower with him. I can't see it happening any other time, can you? Because this, uh, today, 
Oh, dear. You can tell I was watching a Frankie Boyle DVD, can't you, over the weekend? I wish I could repeat half of it, but we can't even repeat a third of it, for which everybody's terribly grateful. Anyway, we'll try and find some lighter stuff. There aren't many light stories. I mean, if you consider the fact that Peter Andre has rushed his marriage forwards, and it's going to be within two weeks at a castle, it'll be a low-key affair. He said, oh, God, I do hope so. Be nice if he just went away and did it. Old man marries young girl, because I have a sneaking feeling she's probably pregnant again. I have a sneaking... They've already had one, and they're rushing through it. I want to make sure the dress fits, because Peter's a bit mean, and obviously wouldn't want to splash out on two dresses. Is he going to sell it to a magazine? I would like to think he wouldn't, but I have a horrible feeling he might. And also, it's not going to be full of celebrities. Because Peter doesn't know any celebrities. The only person he knew... In fact, if you remember, when he met... Uh, Jordan, the only person he knew was her. He didn't know anybody else. You know, Peter Andre's career fizzled out years ago. He scraped by at the moment. I reckon his agent said, listen, do something now. The diary's looking pretty empty. And if you get married, then we can get some money in. So he must be selling it. But he said that it's, uh, it's going to be a low-key affair. So what's he telling us for? Why don't you just do it and then go, we've been and got married? Bit of an embarrassment. Can't wait to see how embarrassed they look at the wedding when they suddenly realise if it's an OK marriage that they're being pushed from pillar to post and they'll all have to wear loads of makeup. Remember the last time Pete put his makeup on, he sweated throughout the entire ceremony. In fact, that's exactly what Jordan said of him. He was a sweaty little Greek boy. That's not a nice thing to say, is it, to the man that you were in love with? But there again, she tells them all that, doesn't she? Seven. I'm late. 17 minutes past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Sunday, the 5th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with you until 8. And st- I, was, I was a bit confused yesterday. I was out driving and I thought, I'm hearing Stig on the radio. And I thought, have I missed a day or something? Why has nobody phoned me? I seriously thought I'd lost my marbles. I thought, I've obviously missed out on something. And then I suddenly realised that he was sitting in for Andrew Pierce. And there are pictures in the paper today because Andrew's in uh, Mykonos. And there's pictures today of, uh, of shops in Greece, empty, devoid of things on the shelves. You now know that if you're going, you need to take money. Uh, you can get money out if you're British, provided you can find a bank that's open. It will give you a bit more money than it will give uh, the Greeks. Uh, they're not taking credit cards in restaurants because they're not sure if they're going to get paid. And the, the shop shelves are empty. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's teetering, teetering on the brink. So they're going to go to the polls, and no doubt we'll be covering that on LBC later on today. But the funny thing, I read this thing in the, in the Bazaar column the other day. You might think it's as odd as I did. We know that the Beckhams are quite a shy, retiring, publicity-avoiding family. They don't like to put any of the children up there, even though they've issued a picture today, because the Beckhams apparently celebrate 16 years married. It's nice, isn't it? And... Um, and that's where, you know, as Victoria entered the church, there was the aisle stretched before them. At the very end, the altar with the flowers on it. And, uh, and then they sang some nice hymns. And that's exactly what she said to David. Aisle, altar, hymn. And she did. She turned him into a mamby-pamby little boy with a funny, squeaky little voice and four very average children. But they're not that average. Because lo and behold, yesterday in the paper appears a picture of two of the world's most unlikely fashion icons... For a day of uh, the wireless festival in the Live Nation area, Joey Essex, Joey Essex, I know, you can't believe it either. I can't believe it either. I didn't even know he was still in the country, really. Uh, wait a minute, listen to this very carefully. Joey Essex got past Brooklyn Beckham's security team 
to strike up a friendship with the teen who has an army of social media fans. Wait for, wait for this. It gets better. It gets better. Talk about inflated. Uh, Bro- Brooklyn Beckham is seven, by the way. Well, I better tell, mentally seven. Mr. Wireless Insider said David and Victoria had organised security to watch Brooklyn. Watch him do what? What's he up to? Oh, God, no, really? Jo- Wait a minute, this is my favourite line in the whole piece. Joey was one of the few granted permission to speak to him. Oh, sorry, Miss Mr Beckham, down on one knee, tug of the old forelock. Who in God's name do you think you are? Aren't you the failed member of the family? Aren't you the one who failed the football thing? You couldn't manage to be a barista, but you could clear a few tables. People were granted permission to see Brooklyn Beckham. Blimey. I'd rather go and talk to the hurdy-gurdy man, thank you very much indeed. God, blimey. And apparently, uh, Brooklyn later enjoyed some uh, major laser with some girls and his hired beef. Brooklyn Beckham goes out with security. Is that basically to keep him away from people? Don't, don't, don't talk to me. Can't, you can't talk to him. Brooklyn Beckham. Who's he talking to? Girls. I love the idea that poor old Joey Essex is one of the few granted permission. This is Joey Essex who can't string two words together. What on earth do they have in common? Answer, nothing, but it was a photo opportunity for poor little Brooklyn. I mean, honestly, at the age of, you know, as I say, 16, going out there, and he's got security. What a crackpot family they must be, ladies and gentlemen. Can you imagine? I said, Brooklyn, where are you going, love? In in the garden. Um, I don't... Um, David, Brooklyn wants to go in the garden. I think that's all right. Well, I don't think he should be allowed to. He'll be OK. We'll look after him. You know, I don't know, you know, you don't know whether to be scared of the father or the little one. You're not bringing the girl out, are you, today? Come on, Harper, come on. It's careful, careful. She's wearing another £12,000 outfit. Don't get it dirty. Uh, D- David, can you organise security? Brooklyn wants to go and get an ice cream. S- security, I mean, honestly. Who do they think they are? Some ex-footballer advertises underpants, a stick insect with two marbles at the top, masquerading as a woman, and three children, one of whom is wearing a dinner jacket with a Burberry scarf. I mean, seriously, we know that they that they like to kowtow and brown nose to all the companies that employ them, but to see a child in a dinner jacket, a, I mean, a little dinner jacket with a Burberry scarf round is positively emaciatingly awful. Emaciatingly awful. Excruciatingly awful. I mean, honestly, it just looks ridiculous, poor soul. Never mind. We all know that it was Daniela Westbrook that killed Burberry stone dead. I don't think the Beckham's advertising. It's going to change matters very much. Uh, people on the front page. Uh, poor old Subo. Just made a, a, a doctor. She's got a doctorate, hasn't she, from a university. Services to music. Yep, the fact she hasn't sung for quite some time, I would have thought would have been a service to music. Uh, easy jet strike threat, thousands facing misery as the cabin crew vote on action. Good God, have they got cabin crew on easy jet? I didn't know. No, I just thought you sort of served yourself. You got on there and... Anybody want to fancy flying the plane? Why not? Come on. Also the story of uh, Linda Nolan looking slightly awful. I felt sick every minute about facing court. Finally, I can live again. Hallelujah, there is a God. And he has looked down on Linda Nolan and said that even though you fraudulently took £12,000, knowing you took £12,000 you shouldn't be having, luckily the council have been very nice to you and they've said, but if you pay back £4,000, they'll say no more about it. And so luckily she's been able to sell or give her story and she's in the mood for getting her life back. It's a... It's a heart-rending story of people who've written into her saying it must be awful. She said, I'm ready to embrace my future. And apparently, she's, uh, she's been offered something fabulous. 
Ever since she claimed benefits and it came out in the paper that she fraudulently uh, didn't tell them about her change of situation, she's been keen to step back into show business and she's had some great offers. I can't imagine what those offer. Why would you... Just because somebody cheated on their benefits, why would they be interested? She says, I've been offered something fabulous, but I can't say what it is yet because I haven't signed the contract. I was so disappointed when this happened because for the first time in eight years since losing Brian, I'd felt I was ready to throw myself into work again. Oh, it'll be Big Brother, won't it? It'll be something as dreary as that. Something as dreary as that. And then we'll have to sit and suffer with her on the television, droning on about the fact that, you know, I didn't want to go on benefits. I didn't want to do this. I'm amazed, actually, that these people don't seem to have had any money. You know, where does their money... Do they not save money? I mean, I can't quite understand, you know, what sort of feeble excuse would ever make you sort of have to sort of do that. There's another bloke in the paper today, Jimmy Greaves. He's asking the public to send him money. This is a man who's had a career... You know, he must have earned a serious... Surely more money than I've ever earned. And if I manage to save some money, he needs £30,000. So he doesn't have 30000 He's an old man. He's worked all his life in football. He's done the after-dinner spigot. Where's the money gone? What do these people do with their money? I'm always interested by this. You know, the Nolans had a string of hits. They were working fairly consistently. What do they do with the money? Or, was, or did it all run out? Wouldn't you just love to find out? It's like when, when Bross got rid of all their money... And they're sort of, and, 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 and they express great surprise that they didn't understand where the money went. Hence, one of them wrote a book called I Owe You Nothing. Because that was what, uh, what they said to them at the end of it. You know, you haven't got any money left. And they thought they could go out and they could buy jackets and buy flash cars and, and do all the things. And of course, they couldn't because their money had run out. Because what people don't realise, and I have to explain it every few years, whenever you get people that go, oh, I've just got a million pound recording contract, and I think people seriously think that somebody hands you a million pounds, and they go, there you go, a million pounds. And of course, it doesn't work like that. The million pound is the pot, okay, is the pot. What they're looking for you to do as the artiste is to sell records. So just hypothetically, say you take the Nolans, please, somebody, and you say to them, right, we're going to give you a recording contract and just suppose, hypothetically, it's a million pounds, Okay, So you have a million pound pot and they go, right, uh, tomorrow you're all needed to go and turn up to uh, Lorraine. Oh, you're gorgeous, you're wonderful, I love you. And you can go on her show. And they go, Okay, the cars will pick you up at 6.30. Okay, hair and makeup will be there and uh, you'll be doing I'm in the mood for dancing. And they go, Okay, fine. Already the pot is dwindling. You've got five cars, the manager, makeup artists, all of this comes out of your pot and those cars will have to take you away at the end of the day. So in other words, you could be running over quite clearly well over a thousand pounds for that one interview on the television. You're trying to sell albums, remember. The only way you're going to sell albums is by going out on tour and as the pot gets smaller and smaller, they go, right, now we're going to have a big, uh, big photo session. We've got to record the album, so we've got to book studio time. Okay, fifty thousand gone immediately. Studio engineers, few more thousand. Hair, makeup, photography, another ten, fifteen thousand pounds. All of this coming out of that pot, which is getting. And so far, you've not seen a penny piece. A penny piece. You know, they might be giving you a couple of hundred quid here, a couple of hundred quid there. You need to get on tour. You need to sell albums. And nobody tells them about this. They just go, "We're going to make you big stars." And of course, these people stupidly believe it. There's a, there's a couple of people in the, uh, in the papers today where they're actually trying to sort of drum up some interest in them before they, they disappear completely. And I think one of them... I'm trying to find where it is, actually, now. I shall, I shall, don't worry, I shall find it. Because I've, uh, I've marked all my stories today. 
and this, uh, this, this one in particular, you can't help marvel at the sheer stupidity of these people. The sheer stupidity. I did hear a nasty rumour that little Karen, the attention-seeking selfie woman, is, uh, is having a book written. She's going to do her autobiography. I was naive. I, um, I, uh, I sort of uh, got my boobs out and took pictures. Very exciting. End of book. Not so much a book, more a pamphlet. It's 6.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, 5th of July. Little Tom is in the back of a, a taxi enjoying the programme. I've discovered he's a part-time drag queen. I've looked at the picture. I don't think you could ever be full-time on that, could you, really? I think kind of better to give up now. And a full-time Celine Dion fan. Oh, God, ghastly as well. I tell you what, now... No friends. <laughs> Solve that one quite quickly. I like doing that. It always makes me laugh. Uh, here's Kelly Maloney out on the town. And uh, this time she's got a, a man with her. He looks less than pleased. He, I don't know where she's picked him up from. Must be some advert in loot or something. Perhaps he's a bit... He can't be the date, surely. But anyway, uh, they were at Langham's Brasserie in Mayfair. Do you know, I'll tell you, you walk into, into places... You walk into Langham. Langham's Brasserie. And I've been there loads of... Why do they call it Mayfair? Just over the road from the Ritz. Why would they call that? It's not Mayfair, is it? I suppose it could be classed as Mayfair. And um, and uh, she she says she's giving nothing away about her mystery man. I think very wise. I'd keep that one quiet. But how wise to go out with a photographer to get a picture of Kelly wearing a simply ghastly outfit. I mean, really ghastly. But uh, the maitre d' was telling customers how Kelly had visited the restaurant for over 30 years. And it was the first time she'd been back since she was dressing as a woman. Well, there you go, then. All very exciting. It's just this, this attention-seeking, isn't it? It's this constant attention. Me, me. It's like the Karen thing. It's like I was watching Big Brother the other day, only briefly, because it's so dreary this time round. And they've got ghastly people in there that they've dragged back from the graveyard. Ashleen, Horgan, Wallace. I mean, a woman more vacuous. You'd be hard-pushed to find on the programme. And they managed to get rid of the foul-mouthed Irish stripper called Mark, the man who looks like he's had somebody else's teeth superimposed onto his own. It looks a bit like Rylan who is, you know, the worst actress you've ever seen in your entire life. And so Mark is sitting there, and he was doing quite well, actually managing to conduct a reasonably normal interview, until all of a sudden the swear words started peppering it. And the conversation went along the lines of, you know, normal word, swear word. And it was getting worse and worse. And I began to think then, well, you've done yourself no favours. Where do you think you're going after this? The answer, straight back down again. You're never going to... Why not use the opportunity? It's a bit pointless trying to explain to people with no talent. I realise that, you know, if you're a stripper, you're not going to get anywhere. Look at poor Kieran Haler. He's got to kowtow to that old baggage who jumps red lights. You know, a woman who's a danger to herself. And she never even saw the red lights. That's the worrying thing. Don't want to be in a car with her anytime soon, do you? Don't, if the kids are going, Mummy, we don't want to drive with you. You're dangerous. You've got points for jumping red lights. Sam Smith appears to have found uh, a new boyfriend... Well, I'm assuming it's a new boyfriend. Bit difficult to tell, really. So expect that one to last five minutes and another story to be sold for the papers. And um, and then uh, Kenny Kenny Sansom is on the road to recovery. Last week, uh, sorry, last month, actually, he was found uh, slumped and suicidal in a park. And now you know, they've saved his... Where do these people's money go? Where do their money go? I mean, I just don't know. Greavesy. He wants £30,000. Friends and family are appealing for cash. Why don't they pay it? Friends and family, 30 grand. You're telling me with his friends and family, they can't muster 30 grand. Dear God, I wouldn't be paying that any time soon. He needs 30 grand to pay for intensive physiotherapy. And uh, it's hoped that his fans will help the star. What's his family doing? His manager 
wrote on his fundraising website, Jimmy needs a minimum of 500 hours of very expensive physiotherapy. He's got a manager. Well, who's paying for that? Managers get 15 to 20%. I mean, you know, you're telling me that Jimmy Greaves doesn't have 30 grand? I mean, come on, a laugh's a laugh, but good God in heaven. Terry Butcher said, it was shameful that a hero from an age before soccer's big earners now has to ask for charity. But he's been on television for years, Mr Butcher. He's been earning money as a television pun. He had his own programme on television for years, Saint and Greavesy. Where did that money go to? All his after-dinner speaking? Come on, don't take the mickey out of us, for God's sake. I find it just absolutely shameful that we're expected to pay for this. You know, it's just really good, isn't it? So, you know, he's, he, was a, he was a really big footballer. He was on television after that for about 30 blooming years. Why should we have to pay for it? Get his family off their fat bums and get out there and earn some money. Opposed to asking for people every time. You know damn well that there's going to be somebody somewhere, isn't there, who's going to go, oh, I feel really sorry for it. It's like Linda Nolan, you know, front, front page of the paper about the, uh, about the money. And uh, and people have been writing to us saying, oh, it's been a terrible situation you've been in, here's some money to help you out. You think, she fraudulently took money. I mean, your next bit you'll be telling me you're going to send money off to Jordan to pay her fine because she couldn't remember because she had to go to hospital and she was moving house and it's all very stressful. My next-door neighbours are moving. Must be something I said. But they're, they're actually moving this Thursday. They don't look stressed at all. They will be by the time they get to Thursday. You know, Jordan jumps the red light because I didn't see it. £1,200 later. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Carol Malone talks today about uh, poor old Russell Brand, who's run out of excuses. Uh, the Beeb's television coverage is, uh, is just out of aces. She said, I said last week that the BBC's decision to dump John Invidel from presenting the daily round-up of Wimbledon was a big mistake, and boy, was I right. It seems you can have too much of bland and boring things like Claire Balding. You see, the trouble is, I mean, I know, Piers, Piers Morgan, who's frightened to upset anybody in the business, lest they don't want to appear on his dull television programme, and also he's got nothing to write about in his columns, so he has to big everybody up now. He can't, he can't be rude about anybody unless they can't retaliate. So he was saying, it's not her fault. She's Of course it's her fault. Of course it's her fault. Somebody shows you a programme. She's big enough and ugly enough to turn around to the BBC and say, that's rubbish, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing... Perhaps she doesn't like her girlfriend. Perhaps that's why she's hardly at home. I mean, she spends most of her time working, which is great. But as Carol Malone says, you know, it was a big mistake. You can have too much of Claire Balding. And it has got to that stage. She knows that that programme's a turkey. And she should say it. You know, it's no good standing there being terrible. She doesn't have that kind of presence to do that kind of programme. That's why Chris Evans will be so good at what he does. Because that's his forte. That's what he does. He's good at that kind of thing. Claire Balding is just sort of some smart lesbian who is very clever, very adaptable, but in this one, out, she must know it's a turkey. You don't do a programme thinking this is really good without reading some of the things that they've said about it. I mean, tennis fans are a bit incandescent, but I mean, I couldn't care less what they say. Who cares about tennis fans? They only come alive for about a few weeks of the year, don't they? When they sort of sit there and go, oh, tennis, click. That's, it's just so boring. It's so boring. And, of course, the papers are just full of pictures because it isn't actually known as Wimbledon anymore. It's known as the BBC Freebie because they get Hampton Court, Chelsea Flower Show, they get Glastonbury, that's the 300 holiday, and then they get Wimbledon. I reckon there's about 400 people working Wimbledon. Seriously, there must be that, that amount of people down there. It's the biggest freebie ever for the BBC. I don't know why it doesn't go to ITV. Have it much better. Oh, no, wait a minute. We'd get Pip Schofield, wouldn't we, presenting? That's not going to be so good. But um, 
It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite clearly, as long as Claire has yet another vehicle to chat inanely to people, that's OK. That's what they seem to think. But it's not, says Carol Malone. And even the guests are rebelling. John McEnroe lost his cool when she asked him if he'd ever had a beard. What the hell are you asking about? Beards, he said. Why, indeed. I suspect it's because she's got no informed questions about tennis. Because everybody knows that John McEnroe had a beard. Have you ever had a beard? I mean, that's how inane it actually gets. Ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. And then... BBC bosses have come in for a, a bit of flack after editing out a homophobic comment by the Who frontman Roger Daltrey from a 35-year-old edition of Top of the Pops. When originally shown in August 1980, Daltrey uttered, Watch your backs, just before a video of the village people was shown. Which, of course, shows how ignorant he must have been, because there was only one gay member of the village people, and it wasn't the one everybody thought of. Top of the Pop fans blasted the Beeb on Twitter. One said, really not keen on airbrushing history. Another ranted, cowardly BBC. Watch your backs, Roger Daltrey, the singing midget. The 70-year-old who doesn't talk to the other person who's on stage with him. I mean, you know, back in those days, it was probably seen as, you know, ooh, watch your backs, the village people. Because they, they'd been sold, I suppose, as a gay group. But as Roger has probably now discovered, as he now enters his twilight years, they weren't gay at all. They were just doing an image. It was an image. Mind you, the pictures you see in the paper of, of Lily Allen face down in a field don't appear to be an image to me. It appears to be something immensely sad. Medics dashed to her. I mean, I'm assuming, and I'd like to think, that she was just having a sleep. But uh, it doesn't look so, so good at all, I'm afraid. And here's the, uh, the X Factor lovers. Stevie Ritchie and Chloe Jasmine are joining Celebrity Big Brother, which is a complete joke. Because they're neither celebrities. Well, she's certainly not. She was the failure from The X Factor. The only saving grace is that she happened to go out with him. And that was it. So they're going to put them in. Apparently, they first hooked up in the singing show's mansion last year, with Stevie claiming he got to sixth base. She wasn't exactly difficult to pull, was she? And so now, as she's got no career, and his has hit the skids, stick them in Celebrity Big Brother, let them both pretend that they are celebrities... And then they come out and then somebody's going to go, well, what, what do we do with you? What, what, what do you do? Um, singer. Sorry? Sing, singer. Oh, right. You haven't actually done any of that, have you? I mean, he came sixth and Chloe was 13th. You know what they say, Chloe? Unlucky for some. Certainly not lucky for you. So Peter Andre's going to get married. That could be the, uh, the saving grace. Uh, Peter, 79, and Emily, 15, have decided to tie the knot at Mamhead House in Exeter. Peter wants the bash to be low-key and celebrity-free, unlike his 2005 wedding to Katie Price. A source said it's been brought forward by two months, so it's been a bit of a rush. You read the alarm bells in that one? It's been brought forward, so it's a bit of a rush. Uh-huh. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. If they leave it too much, she's going to be showing too much. And it's going to be yet more embarrassment for her fa Her family must be delighted. Here she is, the doctor, and uh, so she's had one baby and still not married. Apparently, this is no great shame on families nowadays. Peter Andre, of course, it's quite normal, isn't it? You have to look at all the, uh, the children that he's got. I just hope his career keeps going. I'd hate to think that it was going to disappear. And then all of a sudden, Pete would have to go on benefits or something like that. Perhaps he'll have to rely on his wife. But uh, he was pictured patting her stomach the other day. She was wearing sort of one of those sort of dresses. And I'm suspecting two months down the line. I mean, I don't know how far gone she is. This is all guesswork, you realise, but I'm never wrong in anything. I promise you, they're going to be announcing just after the wedding. And Em's expecting another baby. 
And, of course, Pete's really thrilled about this. Really thrilled. Because you get the impression that he doesn't really have any job to do either. He just sits at home doing... That one where he sort of... Is, is it Peter Andre's makeover where Peter Andre pretends that he's butch and big and can go around doing up people's houses? Because, as Peter Andre discovered only a short while ago, he can't even hammer a nail in. I mean, that's how useless he is around the house. Because he, he was just sort of body beautiful, but now you look at the state of him. If, he, if it's an OK wedding, and of course, if, it's, if there's no celebrities... They're not going to be interested in OK. The whole idea is for OK, you have lots of celebrities and you fill up the pages. When he did it with, with, with Katie Bryce, which was quite sweet, the, the sort of celebrities are all organised by OK magazine. You, you don't have to know anybody at all. I know this for a fact. So in other words, he could have it filled out with celebrities who don't know him and he doesn't know them either. But it's, it's done to make up the, the page numbers. When Dale Winton got married, there were loads of celebrities there. He didn't know half of them. Because it was an OK wedding. It was organised. It was, it was something that, you know, they give you the money for and then... And he got married to Nell McAndrew. Do you remember that one? That was really bizarre. It, I mean, it really was bizarre. <laughs> you had to go through a metal detector to get in. 14 minutes to... St- Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ian says, rather than join the crowdfunding circuit, Jimmy Greaves could easily remortgage house... To release £30,000 or have a lender place a charge against it for thirty grand plus interest, payable when he passes on. Seems fair enough. This is the Jimmy Greaves story in the paper today, that he's looking to his uh, fans to cough up thirty grand. This is Jimmy Greaves, who has been on television for more years than I've been having hot dinners. Saint and Greavesy, he was on... You know, he can't have picked up less than 500 quid a time for doing that, which is very lucrative, very, very lucrative. And you think to yourself, where's the money gone? Where has the money gone? Why, why all of a sudden they're relying on the fans to do it? Is this some sort of joke? The amount of interviews that he's done recently, he must have earned a fair bit out of those. Why has that not gone to it? It was like Paul Gascoigne, wasn't it? He got that money for phone hacking. I never quite understand how they work out the money for phone hacking. But they give them all this money, and then all of a sudden Paul Gascoigne goes and buys a new suit, has Botox and everything else. And you think, should not the first thing that you did be to give the money back to those people who helped you when you were down on your luck? They don't think about it, do they? Uh, Katie Price has been dubbed a clueless, um, a clueless bimbo. Now, this is an this is the old story. This is after uh, Man City star uh, Joe Hart and his wife decided to get married, and then she tweeted, "Is he going to tell her about us?" Giving the the clue, or a very fairly big clue, that she'd had a fling with him. As usual, the poor Pricey is always wrong, as she'll discover when she sort of heads back into court again next year. But uh, she's always wrong. She jumps red lights. She's vile. She's revolting. This is a man who's just got married, so he might have had a fling with her. Well, you put it, Katie, in your little book... Okay, that you didn't write, and uh, we'll all leave you alone. But brainless bimbo and clueless bimbo kind of sum you up, really. You know, either come up and say something, but if you know, if you choose to be a nasty person, then you're going to get people attacking you as well. So that's why it doesn't necessarily work for you, does it? She must be so lonely. She must be so lonely. Uh, These so-called celebs, says Mickey, are no more than common blaggers. They do blag. They do blag. I mean, everybody's always said they're doing. You know, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, Jerry in Southampton says, leave the BBC alone. They're doing a great job of getting rid of TV licences. Did you know that there's so many people who claim that they don't have a licence from the BBC um, because uh, they don't watch live television? Did you know that one? They don't watch live television. And apparently if you don't watch live television, you don't have to, um, you don't have, to have a TV licence. 
Doesn't seem right, does it? I couldn't quite work that one out at all. Um, I love this one here, which says... Uh, a St- Ian says, as Steve Allen says, Claire Balding doesn't have the presence to say no to Naf Wimbledon today. She could do. She could do. She could do. She could actually turn round and say, I mean, she's big enough and ugly enough at the BBC. She could turn around and say, listen, this is a dreadful programme. Let's do this. Let's do that. Because to bring in John McEnroe, who practically has to be wheeled in a wheelchair now, and Martina Navratilova. I mean, it's it's rapidly turning into sort of a fairly butch sort of programme. They need to do something else. They need to do something. And I don't know what. Stop using Claire Balding, I suppose. But it's not her fault. You know, if somebody's daft enough to say, let's get Claire Balding, then she's daft enough to say, uh, I'll take the money. I don't see a problem with that at all. Uh, the family of 12 are now part of ISIS. That's good, isn't it? This was the family that the aunt was saying last week, they've quite clearly been tricked. Well, quite clearly, they've not been tricked at all. And then there was the uh, horrible pictures of ISIS executing, was it 25 men? Uh, each one had their own personal executioner who looked about the age of between 12 and 14. And, uh, as I say, the only brainwashing is going over there with these people who are nothing to do with Islam. Let's forget about anything to do with Islam. They're just murdering paedophiles. That's why they have all these little children around them all the time, because there's something mentally ill, mentally the matter with these people. So it's got nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with Islam, nothing to do with anything like that. Normal Muslims are sort of getting the stick for this one. They're going, oh, well, of course, that's what everybody does nowadays. And then you look at the pictures... And you look at the picture of these uh, of these children with these guns who are about to execute people, and you think, what well, sort of brainwashing? You know, I mean, they're never going to make it to adulthood at all, are they? Never going to happen. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, Steve, I've just seen the picture of Kelly Maloney. She looks like a docker wearing a pair of neck curtains. I think the bloke she's with looks absolutely awful. I mean, seriously awful. Seriously awful. Brilliant time at Wembley. Yes, my friend. Ian went to Wembley last night. ACDC were fantastic. Best live concert, said little Julie, I've ever been to. Treated to songs from the new album Rock or Bust, plus the classic Highway to Hell. Uh, Angus Young, the one who dresses as a schoolboy, maybe 60, but has the energy of someone half his age, and after being without a line and Wi-Fi, finally repaired yesterday after the electricity board cut through the telephone cables over two weeks ago. I'm glad you enjoyed the concert. My, my friend Ian said he was, uh, he was on his way to it yesterday and I, I tweeted him to say, you better take some water with you because presumably it's going to be really, really hot, really hot. And uh, he didn't get back to me after that at all. <laughs> I didn't hear anything at all. It was just the fact I said, have a, have a great time and I'll catch you this week. And uh, he said, I'm heading to Wembley Stadium for ACDC. Luckily, I guessed it was the group. It's uh, six minutes to uh, seven uh, also, the runaway kids. You know the the families of the two East London girls who fled to Syria to join ISIS? Uh, they've married, apparently. They've got married over there. So 15, 16 and 15. They haven't said which ones have got married. A solicitor representing the families has now said two of the Bethnal Green Academy people have married ISIS men. Well, how do they know that? Well, are they in contact with them? Oh, how hilarious. How hilarious. They're getting... Mess- were the parents not invited to the wedding? Oh, how hilarious. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it, really? Unbelievable. Um, I'm not sure, actually, whether I'm, I'm totally au fait with the idea that if you're called Duncan or if you're called Charlie, if you're a girl, you're more likely to have car crashes. I mean, I would have thought, you know, I don't know. I mean, how do they work? I suppose they just go through the records, don't they? They go through all the records and they go, look, in the last 12 months, there's been lots of uh, accidents and the majority of the men, it's they're called Duncan. 
So there you go. So Duncan is the name for people who have car accidents. And if you're a girl, Charlie. I know a few Charlies. <laughs> and, uh, oh, anyway. uh, so Princess Charlotte will be christened today in the Lily Font, which is a priceless royal heirloom. And apparently everybody's invited to the christening. Queen's going to be there. Hope to God uh, older Andrew's children don't turn up. There was a rumour that they were going to be uh, godparents. Pfft, you don't want them. Try and pick somebody interesting. Try and pick somebody who's working. That would be very good. And, uh, and the Beckhams out again. Look, old Dave and Victoria. They look more like strangers every time, don't they? They're obviously at some sort of restaurant. And, uh, and they turned up. Strangely enough, uh, one of the Beckham boys is wearing... Um, it's wearing a dinner jacket with a Burberry scarf, which quite clearly isn't made for somebody his size. Brooklyn just looks as though he's caught in the headlights again. And uh, Harper Seven, I don't know, it's first time we've actually seen her on her own feet. Normally she's being carried, but uh, not, not the best-looking family. The boys look mainly American now, which is not the best look, I always say. <laughs> but uh, luckily that's my opinion. Uh, what are we going to hear? Apparently Zayn Malik has launched a business venture. Oh, how funny, how sweet, how kind of him to make a contribution to society. Having walked out on the uh, the tour in Thailand, he's now decided that he's going to have a clothing range after his front row appearances at the Paris Fashion Week. Oh, that's it, is it? Oh, right. Based on that, you can release a clothing range. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, 84850. David, she doesn't do interviews. She doesn't do interviews. I'm just telling you that now. He's asked me if I'll do somebody for in conversation, and he said, unless she doesn't do interviews, this particular person doesn't like doing interviews. Luckily, though, I know some of the family, so uh, we might, I, could, I could go for that one. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's a secret between David and I. You don't have to sort of put that out there in the real world. Uh, in the papers today as well, what else was that? Rita Ora. I don't know. What, what's sexuality? What sexuality is Rita Ora? Is Rita Ora gay? or is she, I don't, I've lost track of it now. Everybody seems to be rushing out there, sort of proclaiming their sexuality. And it's, uh, it's all getting a little bit confusing. Apparently, Jerry Hall- Halliwell has now said she's found her dream man. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? All right, back in your box. Uh, Steve, Dale Winton married Nell McAndrew. Was that make-believe photo shoot? It was a complete wedding. Yeah, it was a complete wedding. There was, um, there was a stag night. Not really a stag night, you know, no, no sort of strippers there. And uh, we had to film it in between me doing a programme because I was there. And then there was a wedding at a really super hotel down the road from me, which was lovely, with loads of celebrities at the time. And, um, and they released doves and everything. It was very so pretty. And she cried. I thought it was conjunctivitis, but she said she cried. And, uh, and it was, yes, it was, in, it was in the papers. It was, a, it was sort of a fantasy kind of wedding. There you go. Tina in Bristol's fallen out with her sister. Well, that's, that's Bristol for you, isn't it? The trouble is Bristol, you fall out with everybody. I think people are like that in Bristol. I've, I've been to Bristol. Well, I've driven past it on the motorway. I've not actually sort of stayed there. You've been sitting out in the sun or something. Did your mummy not tell you to put some sort of cream on or something? Well, see, people sit out in the sun and then they look at themselves in the mirror and they look like a tomato. Yeah, of course it hurting... Of course, it, look, Uncle Steve here got burnt the other day, and then I started peeling. It's like having, oh, it's ghastly, honestly. Half your head comes away. It's awful. And, of course, I didn't do this. You know, I was the same as you. I didn't put cream on and everything else, so I've discovered it's easier. I was watering my hanging baskets at half past two this morning. Quite happy. It's quite cool out there at 2.30, doing the, doing all that kind of stuff. I thought, at least I'm not going to get burnt to pieces. And today I'm wearing one of my Hawaiian shirts. What do you mean you don't like it? Very bitter, aren't you? You love it. Actually, I'm amazed that in America, I'm XL. I'm so excited. 
Over here, I think, oh, they've obviously miscast me or something. I appear to be XXL. But it's, in America, I'm still XL. And only bought this one the other day. It's very nice. Hangs nicely. I'll take a picture of it and show you a bit later on on the, uh, on the Twitter. Coming up to the news at 7 o'clock this morning. I'm with you until 8. Still plenty more to come on your early breakfast show. Europe's consuming more fish than its waters can provide. That's according to a major news study. The Chancellor has warned thousands of higher earners in council homes will have to pay more rent or move out. And Billy Joel's married his girlfriend, and she's called Alexis Roderick. You see, I thought, who was the uptown girl? That was Christy Brinkley, wasn't it? She was uptown girl, I bet. I thought they went out for a while. But you know that Billy Joel tours with Elton John quite a lot, quite a lot. Um, Katie Price has been dubbed this clueless bimbo. Lily Allen, unconscious in a party field. Sounds slightly worrying. A rugby star quizzed over the grooming of girls. Camilla's finally stopped smelling like an ashtray. She's stopped smoking. And just one ice cream is half the daily limit for sugar. It's LBC. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 5th of July. I will bring you the weather shortly, because looking out of the window, it doesn't look too bad. And for everybody who sat out in the sunshine the other day thinking, I won't get burnt. Yes, you do. Especially if you're sitting in the middle of a field. That's even worse, isn't it? Lily Allen must be absolutely cut to pieces, I should imagine. She's on the front of the uh, the sun on Sunday today. And uh, they haven't actually got an interview with her because she was given oxygen. I mean, whether she passed out from the heat, I've got no idea. She does have a history of uh, sort of, you know, doing maybe some of the wrong things. Britain's high-profile charity chief facing fresh controversy overnight. One ice cream, just one, is half the daily limit for sugar. And uh, why are those killer diet pills still on sale? They are. The EasyJet strike that's looming. Pop's most iconic hairstyle. Not mine. Uh, Cheap ale to go nationwide. Yes, it's cheers to pound pubs. You can have a pound's worth in a pub now of booze. I mean, honestly, as if things weren't bad enough. Like people going to Magaluf on holiday, I mean, really. And also there was the, the new ad campaign, isn't there, to try and get people to go to Tunisia. Because they put up pictures of London, pictures of New York, saying, you know, you haven't stopped going there because of this. Because if they're not careful, the whole thing can collapse. Literally, hotels that are empty, that are big enough, uh, that need the tourists to go there. And the reason is, I think we are scared. If you remember, after we had our own problems in this country, a lot of Americans stopped travelling here. A lot of Americans didn't want to travel to this country. Now they're, they're coming back in again. And I think they've proved that some of these things are just isolated. But you don't know it. But if you spend your entire life worrying about what might happen, you wouldn't get out of the house, would you? You wouldn't go anywhere. You'd be too frightened to go anywhere. So I think what we have to do is stick two fingers up to people. Listen, if something happens, something happens. Maybe God somewhere has decided your time, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, whether it's over here, whether it's abroad, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It can be in the middle of nowhere and something can happen. It just depends, you know, what goes on in the world. Record numbers of dustmen are in the papers today suffering bin rage attacks. Bin rage attacks. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. Never heard of such a thing. Peter Andre's going to get married within two weeks. Sounds to me like they're kind of rushing it through. Unless it was the only date they could get at the hotel, but I think that's unusual, isn't it? 
And they've announced the hotel, but he said it's going to be a low-key affair. A bit like Peter Andre's life now, isn't it, really? A bit of a low-key affair, just lots of children to support. And that's about it. So, But I reckon Ems is, uh, is pregnant again. Peter Romford says, I always thought Dale Winton was gay. Yeah? And? Oh, what, because he got married? Oh, right. You're not telling me you don't think that gay people get married, do you? Good heavens above. How do you think Hollywood survives? <laughs> we could name those A-list gays in Hollywood. My boss is going, please don't. Please don't, Steve. <laughs> and uh, somebody else says, my neighbour's called Duncan. And he once had a four-car pile-up in his own driveway. There you go, you see, because the name Duncan is apparently the uh, the most popular name for men to have car accidents. And if you're a woman, it's Charlie. Always thought sort of Duncan and Charlie kind of go well together, don't they, really? You're bound to have a bit of an accident. If, anyway, uh, other stories which are in the uh, the papers for today. Wimbledon, today, one of the worst programmes on television. I mean, it really is absolutely ghastly. There's not a lot you can do about it at all. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. On the subject of Billy Joel, uh, they were married. Billy Joel was married to Christy Blink- Brinkley. In 1965, had a daughter and divorced in 95. He must be getting on a bit now, mustn't he, Billy Joel? He must be in his 70s, I would think. Must be. I'm assuming he's sort of heading in that direction. Uh, we survived the storms, says Noreen. Do you know, I slept through the storm. People, I mean, I knew that we'd had a storm because there was a lot of flowers from the baskets lying on the ground. And uh, so I didn't see any of that. I didn't hear anything. I sleep like a log. Seriously, I must be the only person who can sleep through anything. I could seriously sleep through, you know, a, a Mount Etna erupting if I was living on, on the slopes of it. I, I, nothing wakes me. I sleep really well. Climb into bed, crash out, for goodness. Uh, ages. I uh, hope all the listeners were safe. Yeah, some people lost a bit of electricity. Jackie and Paddock Wood is back with us in the real world. Uh, I'm wondering who will be godparents at Princess Charlotte's christening. How wonderful. It's where Diana was christened. And I remember the Dale wedding. Yes. Yes. I was, I was on it. I was, I was sort of in it at the same time. Um, and Philip says they should bring back milk bars with pound pub bars. I mean, how about 50 pence a glass? Lovely. A nice cold glass of milk. Milk bars. Remember milk bars, coffee bars, all that kind of stuff? All these things you could bring back. We've got them in Kingston down the road from me. There's um, a milkshake shop where they just do lots of different milkshakes. And I think if you go to Westfield, they've got an area there where you can have a milkshake made out of it. They sort of drop a bounty bar in a, mil- in a glass of milk or something. But it's really bad for you, as you know, because it's really fattening. And Maltesers are the best. Well, you shouldn't have any of that. You shouldn't have that stuff in McDonald's where they do squirty, you know, the squirty ice cream. I know it all sounds lovely, and if you're actually sitting there at the moment at home thinking, I could go in ice cream now. I used to keep ice lollies in the fridge, and I would eat loads of ice lollies. Now I've discovered that ice... I had one the other day from Iceland, because that's the cheapest... Don't turn your nose up at Iceland. It's cheap. If you've got children, it's the cheapest place. They were doing six lollies for 89 pence, and they were bubblegum flavour. Don't turn your nose up, honestly. I'm such a snob. The producer's such a snob. Ever since he won 14 million on the lottery, he's become unbearable to work with, really. Oh, sorry. Sh- sorry. Sorry. Oh, I was talking out of turn, aren't I? Anyway, so they, they do all these isolates. You, you can get four cones in there for £1.50, which I think is great. If you're filling up the freezer, that's good. But they did um, bubblegum flavour lollies. Quite delicious. Six for 89p. I mean, you can't be... Listen, kids don't know. You just get a nice lolly. But if, I, if I'd known that there was that much sugar in them, I wouldn't have touched the things. I wonder why I felt quite exhilarated after having one. But a milk bar's a good idea. 
I like the idea of milk bar with some crusher milkshake. That'd be good, wouldn't it? But it's so bad for you. Our idea of a treat, because we, we, we couldn't afford ice cream when we were little. Had to share a banana between three of us. And so you put a little bit of banana in a glass of milk and stir it round, because we thought that was a banana milkshake. <laughs> I remember having a banana milkshake maker. And you sort of clipped the thing underneath it, and it just sort of it was just like a whisk. You never have that? Uh, I had a yoghurt maker. To be honest with you, it took about three weeks to make a pot of yoghurt. It was the most dreary thing ever. You had to put this thing in. You put some culture in, I think. And uh, and then you sort of left it. And it, it kept it on a very low heat. And then after three weeks, you could put jam in. It made yoghurt. It was so much easier to go and buy a pot of ski down the road as opposed to making your own. I, I remember a friend of mine had a bread maker. We thought they were really flash. A bread maker. You know, and it said, oh, it does this. And you could smell bread in the house. It was gorgeous. Used to, you know, the smell of bread in a house is absolutely lovely. But then we discovered it was cheaper to go to, uh, to Mars and Spencer's and go buy a loaf of bread than it was to actually make your own. People say, oh, you can make your own tomato bread and all that kind of stuff. But uh, not, not very exciting. And uh, Philip says, if they erect a memorial for all the UK citizens sil- killed by acts of terrorism around the world, I hope they put it somewhere secure, or at least have some security protection. I don't want to see in the paper the Romanian gypsies are camping around it, like they are at the moment in Hyde Park. Even though I thought the parks had their own police and they could do something about it. Just ridiculous. Using it as a toilet, they were. It's enough to make you feel sick, isn't it, really? There's another squaddy in the paper today. What is it about blokes going into the army that makes them want to dress as women? There's another one in the paper today. He dressed up as a woman uh, for a mate stag do, like you do, and now he wants to have a sex change. I mean, he, I mean, to be honest with you, it can't be as simplistic as that, can it? He must have been dressing for some time. I reckon there's probably loads of people in the army, loads of people in the army that sort of enjoy dressing up. They always say, oh, it's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? But secretly, secretly, I think they, uh, they know exactly what it is. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here was talking about, um, wait a minute, on the way to, uh, listening on the way, says Melinda, to Silverstone. Oh, she's going to Silverstone. Is it on today as well? Oh, the main one's on. Oh, Melinda's obviously very rich. Oh, he only, the producer only went to the qualifier. <laughs> obviously, your money's a lot better, isn't it? But um, she's, uh, where is Melinda? Where is she? Oh, it looks like a picture of, uh, oh. Somebody's wedding, but I don't know who, who's... Anyway, she's going to Silverstone. That's all that matters. Just remember to take some um, take some sunscreen, because you're sitting outside, aren't you? There's lots of food and everything. What is it? It's just motor racing, is it? Is it a bit boring? Yeah. To be honest with you, do, you, get, you get roughly the same effect if you stand on a bridge over the M25, you know, and you don't have to pay for it. I'll tell you what you do. You, you, you go and park the car up one side of the bridge. You move to the middle of the bridge on the pavement. You set up a little table and chairs. Have some ham sandwiches. Put a little umbrella and a parasol up. And watch the traffic underneath. Same effect. Same effect. If you take a little ice box, you can have some cold beers and everything else. And then you can wave at the drivers as they go past. That's always a good fun one. I do that. I sometimes, have you ever done that before? As you're going down the motorway? I'm always a little bit dubious of going down the motorway. Whenever I see people standing on a motorway bridge, I, I make sure I don't have the sunroom, o- o- sunroof open. I'm just worried that they might sort of drop something from the bridge, so I don't bother with that. But I always wave at them. It's like, you know, I always wave at kids. It's probably the wrong thing to say at this time of the morning. But, you know, if there's a kid in the back of a car or something like that, and they're looking at me and they wave, I wave back. You know, and then you can see their mother going, turn around, don't wave at that man in the car. 
Instead of, because that's what kids like to do. If they see a big car, they wave. I mean, I'm constantly waving at kids on coaches as they go past. You get all the school coaches going past, and they're all out the window, and, and, and some of them wave. There'll always be some kid at the back giving you the finger. You can always t- There'll always be one. And it's at that moment you feel like ramming the coach, but of course you can't, because, you know, I'm a very careful driver. Never exceed the speed limit. Well, I can't. And uh, so I always wave at people on, on coaches. It's an odd thing, isn't it? I wave at Eddie Stobart lorries. Because, you know, if you wave at an Eddie Stobart lorry, they wave back. That's good, isn't it? Caravanning people wave back. If you, if you see a caravan, we were, we were a member of the caravan club years ago. When we used to go down the motorway, if you see another caravan, you wave and flash your lights. You don't do it now because there's a chance it could be travellers and you don't really want them following you or anything like that. It's uh, quarter past... Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> Morning, everybody. It's 7.20. Apparently today the weather is going to be a dry, bright start and then heavy showers moving in... Northeast. I think I've got a spider somewhere on me. You know when you walk out of the out of the house, and, and because I've got lots of hanging baskets, I walk sometimes through webs, and and you get to go, <coughs> and, and all of a sudden, and I had this before. I was sitting in the car, and I felt something crawling up the back of my neck. <laughs> it was a spider. I nearly threw myself out the window. I really did. Because, but now I've got this thing, and I can't tell, because I walked through a web this morning as I was coming out, and you don't know whether or not you've just walked away with the web, or you've got the spider attached. And it's like, you know, when you flush spiders down the bath, they don't go down the plug hole. They go down the plug hole and come up the overflow, and they look at you from that little grill at the front of the bath. So if you're not wearing your swimming costume... You are exposing yourself to spiders, and this is why they are traumatised. You know, you mustn't do that. Spiders sort of sit there, but they don't, because spiders float. They reckon spiders could actually float across oceans, because they, they walk on water. And because they, they're so light, they fl- Have you ever seen a spider doing stringing a web across? What do you think it does, climb up on a blooming ladder? No, of course it doesn't. It just throws itself the other side. Because they're so light, I found a snail crawling up my front door yesterday. Where does that come from? And I assumed it was a bird that had picked it up from a garden and had gone over and said something to one of its other mates who was flying and forgot it was holding the snail and dropped it. So it landed by my front door. The blasted thing was climbing up the front door. My next-door neighbour's garden's now got it. Not it in my place, thank you very much indeed. There are other things as well, aren't they? Snails. Who was it asked me the other day? They were doing a programme on the radio. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about lobsters and how you, how you boil them alive. You bring them slowly to the boil. And, and they said, a snail's dead when you cook them. I said, well, to be honest, I don't know. I've never actually... I have eaten a snail once. Ugh, horrid. <laughs> you don't want to eat... Seriously, it's like, like eating a piece of potty putty. You know, potty putty or plasticine or anything like that. Oh, it's vile. And they go, it's an aphrodisiac. I don't think so. Seriously, the last thing you're thinking about is anything to do with, you know, in the bedroom department. All I'm thinking about is in the toilet department being sick. Horrible. I've tried all of that. I've tried frog's legs. Didn't like those either. What is it about the French and the stuff they eat, honestly? Small wonder they all look barking mad. You know, frog's legs and snails, ladies and gentlemen. And they, in restaurants, they, the snails, they, they put into the shell... It, it isn't the house they were born in, because they, they sort of come out of that thing. And then they cook them, and they do them in garlic butters to take away the vile taste of them. That's why, if God has wanted us to eat snails, he'd have put little houses on our backs as well. Dreadful thing. The things we're supposed to eat in restaurants, they go, oh, it's really nice. And yet you go to the Ivy, what's their most popular dish? Corned beef hash. You know, the simple things in life. The simple thing. I quite like corned beef hash. I bought it from Marks and Spencer's once. I was ever so disappointed. It was more mashed potato than it was corned beef. And then somebody said to me that corned beef is really, really fattening. Do you eat a lot of corned beef, Mark? 
by the tin. I've never, I've never actually bought a tin of corned beef. It's like buying a tin of Spam, isn't it? And trying to work the key around the outside, and then you get it. And, and, and years ago, you'd like that. Spam with chips and Branston pickle was quite nice. And somebody told me I was common. <laughs> me? Common? I ask you. Honestly, you won't get any more common than me. And uh, so the weather. Uh, the rest of Further. Rain. OK, it's going to be rain today. <laughs> Might as well enjoy it while it's there. A little bit of sunshine this morning, so put on the sun cream and then prepare to have it washed off. As uh, you say, I don't mind. I used to, when I was a child, I used to run around in the, uh, in the rain. Not now. Isn't it funny? You stand in a shower and you don't worry about getting wet. You go outside, a bit of rain, you go, run, run, we're going to drown. You go, no, no, it's only a little bit of rain. Don't ruin my hair. I'll go frizzy. And once my hair goes frizzy, I'm in a filthy bad mood for the rest of the day. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Mrs Shufflewick, Rex Jameson was in the army, says Ron. I don't think he was actually in it. Wasn't he part of the entertainment? I don't seriously think that Rex could have managed that. I did see him in the latter part of his career. And in fact, I saw him at the Black Cap in Camden Town, which I believe is being turned into a breakfast club. Shameful. Shameful, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, one of London's premier entertainment pubs. And what's happening to them now? They disappear. They disappear and they turn them into houses. There's a pub down in Hampton. It was closed for ages. I understand if it doesn't work. And they've turned it into quite a smart-looking house. But I still keep thinking, that was a pub. That was a pub for years. And the, the Black Cap in Camden Town, an iconic bar for people like uh, the Disappointer Sisters, the Harley Queens, David Dale, uh, Mark Fleming, Rex Jameson, who was Mrs Shufflewick, who even got his name up on a plaque at the... And it's still there, actually, as far as I know, in the, uh, the Theatre of the Windmill, which is now a lap dancing don't like laptops. I think it's a bit tacky. A bit tacky. But Rex Jameson, Mrs. Mrs. Shuffle, he's there. Unfortunately, poor old Rex had a, had a slight drink problem. And at the Black Cap, he would turn up on stage most of the time, three sheets to the wind, which made him funnier. But it was a, it was a funny little old act. But he, he did turn up on a television programme. I think with Dennis Norton looks familiar. I'm pretty certain. It's very funny anyway. Uh, 84850. Marie is in Portsmouth. <coughs> uh, Portsmouth was in the news this week. Uh, there was a plane that was taking off from somewhere, and one of the passengers was a bit rowdy. Surprising, I thought, from Portsmouth. But anyway, and he, uh, he had to be pinned down to the tarmac, and he's been banned from flying Ryanair ever since. You're not allowed to fly on Ryanair, which is probably actually to his advantage, I should imagine. At one point, he locked himself in the toilet. There's no room in these toilets. These are on planes. I always love it when you're sort of sitting down. You know, I'm sort of sitting sort of fairly near the first class bit. Well, I say fairly near it, you know, kind of in the stewardesses bit. And, um, and the people start... The, the plane has barely taken off and already there's a queue for the toilet. And so they're standing next to you. So I deliberately, to make them worry, I just get a bottle of water and pour it from glass to cup. From cup to glass. Cup. And then I, I deliberately slurp the water. You can see them standing there visibly shaking because they can't hold themselves for much longer. And sometimes there's a little trail of wee which runs into the toilet, which always makes my day, actually. Always makes my day on the flight. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of, um, of Claire Balding, apparently Claire's wife, Alice Arnold, also working at Wimbledon. She's doing all the public tannoy announcements. Good Lord. Uh, Tom and... Carlene, lifelong fans in our motorhome, they're on the Cheltenham race course. God, is everybody out on places today? It was either Silverstone or Cheltenham. And Re- What's going on at Cheltenham today? Is there something happening at Cheltenham? I have to be honest, we have done some race meetings at LBC. I don't find it the most exciting thing. I like a motorhome. 
So um, you, you, you won me over with a motorhome. I like, pardon me, I like the idea of a motorhome. I think that's great. Hot at Wembley until the sun went in, but nobody seemed to mind. All singing and dancing, says little Julie. I like people when they sing and dance. I'm getting terribly patriotic about things like that. I like, I like anything like that. I'm, I'm very easily led. Very easily led. Um, one here. Richard says the PM has announced this new memorial to victims of overseas terrorism, including, of course, Tunisia. People may not be aware that at Lockerbie there's a beautiful memorial and garden remembrance to the Pan Am atrocity, which could be adapted for this purpose. Yes, I don't know where they're going to put it. I don't know. Can we put it near Downing Street? Because then it's got 24-hour coverage by the police. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? Or on Parliament Square. That would be that would that be quite nice, I think. Uh, what's the pub in Hampton, the White Hart? Now, Martin, I cannot remember what it was called. I'll have to go. I don't know now because it's been changed into a house. But it was it was next to a garage, which seems to have been there since uh, since time immemorial. Uh, Ian says, when I was a kid, I played mini rugby. And uh, oh, sorry, this is Murph. Says we used to go away to matches on a coach, and everybody in the back street pulled moonies at other motorists. <laughs> Never had that. Not on a motorway, I haven't. I'm sure it'll happen, though. Maybe a northern thing, says Bill. But as a treat, I used to take my mum once or twice a week, for, week from Bermondsey to Bury Market, get a train from Euston to Manchester, then the, metro to Be- then the metro to Bury. In between the bus station and the market, there was a milk bar which you could buy milkshakes, sundaes, and even a plain glass of milk. There used to be a sign on it, didn't there? Because it, it always sounds... I used to love that expression for cornflakes. Drenched in ice-cold milk. Because there was something about ice-cold milk that is lovely. And there is... There was a feature in Country Life a few weeks ago about a woman who's got a dairy. She's got a, a dairy herd, and she has milk machines dotted around the county, which she fills up every week with this rich, creamy milk. Even though I'm sure full cream milk is not very good for you. But, but at, at the time, as you're a kid, we were always told it was very good for building up bones. And, and to have it flavoured was even more delicious. But, I mean, our obligatory banana milkshake Nesquik box used to get completely wrecked in the cupboard until we discovered Crusher milkshake. And that was even, even nicer. Oh, milkshake, something delicious, but really awful. Uh, Tiffy cannot stand insects like centipedes, millipedes, beetles. No matter what they are, if I find them coming to my room, I just squash them and throw them out the window oh no I, I, I could just because millipedes and centipedes move fairly quickly so what I do with those I tend to pick them up on a on a piece of paper or failing that I'll hoover them up I have been known to hoover things up I was uh, I was watering the other day on the patio and I saw this enormous spider and I wasn't sure who was more scared the spider or me because he disappeared into this hole and spiders have this ability to get themselves into the tiniest little uh, cavity and I've made a mental note in my mind where this where this spider is <laughs> Oh, dear. Steve, uh, love your show on a Sunday morning. Talking about waving, says Sandy. Reminded me when I was much younger and my dad was in the AA. And uh, when the AA men drove past on their motor bikes and sidecars, they would salute. I've still got the chrome AA badge that dad had in his car. We used to, my da- that was the first vehicle my dad had. He had a motorcycle and sidecar. Because I've got... What? You really turned into a dreadful snob, honestly. That's because your parents had their own bus, you know. <laughs> then we had a motorcycle and sidecar. And I've, I've got a picture of my dad astride it with my mum's... What? Honestly. Try and tell... <laughs> it makes you sound like Olive from on the buses, doesn't it? I love that bit. Was it also... There was, was it on that one where the bike went round one corner and the sidecar... Where's she gone to? And the sidecar went the other way. <laughs> How we laughed. Had, of course, of course, in those days, there were no cars on the road, were there? Nowadays, you know, every house has got four cars. It's 7.30. Steve Allen on LBC.
26 minutes to 8. I wish I'd never mentioned spiders, because it now it seems that most of you have got the mortal fear of, uh, of spiders. Uh, it's uh, Christian's birthday today, says Michelle. That's her husband, as opposed to just the next-door neighbour that she's wishing a happy birthday to. So many happy returns. And uh, Malcolm says, if anybody's worried about going abroad, don't forget, there's always Blackpool. Yes, they're never likely to do anything in Blackpool, are they? I think it, it looks as though it's had an explosion all the way through it already. Uh, Joe had a lovely picnic at Leyland Park yesterday with cupcakes from the Hummingbird Bakery. I'm taking the leftovers to Hampton Court Flower Show. I stupidly made a mistake. I was going, I, got, I got the car washed the day before, and I thought, I'll go and get some shower gel, and I'll go and get it from Kingston. And I sat in a traffic jam, and it was only after about 30 seconds that the brain kicked in, and I suddenly realised... Don't go there, Stephen. Why? Because it's the Hampton Court Flower Show. The traffic was banked up for miles. So in the end, I turned around and came back home again. So I don't know how much longer it's on for. I always go because I, I love it. This is the only year that uh, that I, I haven't been. Lou's in Norwood in bed. Best place to be at 25 to 8. Nobody needs to get up, do they? If you don't have to get up to go to work, don't bother getting up. Just lie there. There's no point. I think I'll come and join you, actually, because to be quite honestly, I got up this morning and I watered the baskets and I watched a bit of television, had a shave, and I thought, right, I'll climb in the shower, climb in the shower. And after I got out of the shower, I was sitting in front of the television, draped in my towels, looking like a reject from the Roman, from the Roman Empire, because uh, I always do a towel around my head. I don't know why, it stems back to the days when I used to have hair. And you put it on there and it... What? Honestly. And make it out of my life, honestly. Try looking at your own life or you laugh at mine. And um, and so I put this thing around her head and I looked that, that, like that woman from Kidscape, Camilla. I looked like that woman there. And I, I'd, seriously, I look like I've wandered in from some strange African continent. But no, I quite like the look. And I'm watching the television and I thought, you know, it would be so easy. When you're all comfy and I've got the fan on and it's blowing, co- oh, it's just lovely. I thought I could just close my eyes. And then I thought, no, go to work, go to work. I have to get myself dressed before I can actually get out. Apparently, uh, Easy Yo Yogurt is lovely, is powdered from New Zealand. I've seen them advertising this on the uh, the television, I think. I'm, I'm pretty certain, actually. Uh, Sue Ann is at the, um, the uh, Olympia Anti-Allergy Show. Lots of free food, she says. And Dave says, did you have the best vanilla ice cream in the world from Rossi Brothers in the High Street in Barking Side when you were as a child? I c- no. I, I tell you for why I can say no, because the only ice cream I can remember from a child, and lots of you will remember this, is when the ice cream was round and the cone was... I know they're always round, but this was a short squat cone, and it, the, the ice cream came with cardboard around it, and you took the cardboard off and you... What? And you put it... It's like doing a strange trip down memory lane with a person sitting opposite you going, No. No. Can't believe it. No, really? How old are you? That's the, that's the next thing you get. But we used to have round ice cream. Didn't you do that at home? No. Did your parents not have ice cream? They own their own manufacturing company, Mr Walls. <laughs> to see him now. Okay. We used to buy a long... We used to call it a brick. And it was, it was a long thing. And then you get wafers and you cut it. And Did you have that? Could you lick round the outside of it? Yeah, I did that. We used to love that. We go to the fridge and be all ice bits over the end because you hadn't folded the cardboard in properly. Simple pleasures as a child, you know, probably fine today. I've discovered that the simplest pleasure for my next door neighbour, they have a little boy called Matthew, and he, I told you the other week, he loves. You get the watering hose out and you're doing the baskets. He loves standing underneath the baskets, getting wet. Seriously, he screams with delight at this. It's easily pleased. <laughs> Imagine what he'd be like at the seaside. You know, all that water and more underneath. He'd be very impressed. I remember the AA and the RAC, they rode motorcycle 
combinations. If you remember on your car displayed the badge, the driver would salute you. Oh, happy days, Malcolm. They don't salute you now at all, do they? Fish cakes at the Ivy, very difficult to match, says Jane. Yes, and the amount of people who are having corned beef for breakfast. Are you sure this is right? Should you be having corned beef? Somebody says, well, poor old Margaret in St Ives, she was bitten by a spider a few weeks ago, and I didn't know they did bite. House spiders, do they bite? Oh, Lord. A common house spider. The A&E said it was... Oh, don't you put the fear of God into me. I don't like that at all. I used to worry about earwigs. They were called earwigs because when you were asleep, they'd go in your ear and then they'd make a nest and lay eggs and then they'd eat your brain from the inside. Small wonder Freddie Flintoff and I used to sleep with the lights on and still do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Wendy says those corned beef and spam tins opened when opened were lethal. Oh, they were absolutely... The worst thing was trying to get the meat out. So once you've taken the lid off, then you've got to turn it upside down. You put a knife around the edge of it. <gasps> Dreadful, it really was. Uh, I'll be in, dragon, in a dragon boat on uh, Moat Park in Maidstone in aid of Ronald McDonald House Camberwell, which is a charity uh, for seriously ill children in King's College Hospital. What's not? I used to love dragon... I've got um, silly footage of me on, in, a, in a dragon boat race in Hong Kong. There are big dragon boat races over there. And, uh, and Paul says, I haven't had corned beef in years. Now I quite fancy it. You've not lived until you've had toasted cheese and corned beef. Oh, you're joking. Toasted cheese? Even the people around here, Paul, are going, ooh, don't like that. I did have a, um, I did have a fry-up the other day, uh, which, is, which is quite nice. I do that every so What? Am I facing the wrong? Am I facing the wrong way or something in this studio? Am I? In the, it's not Christo's show, is it? Am I still doing Christo's show? Couldn't be. Nobody's sort of laughing at you as you're doing the program. And <laughs> uh, feeling the, the effects of express, espresso martinis last night, says Nick in Brighton, celebrating my husband's birthday. Permission to stay in bed? I think if you're in Brighton, actually looking at the weather today, if I was in Brighton and I was on the seafront, I would be out. I think having a having a cup of tea, staring out to sea, that's nice. But I would be the colour of leather. Because if you sit by the... You always get a, a better colour by the seaside because you get the sea breeze that's, uh, that's coming in. Front pages of the... Uh, oh, I've got a bit of the indigestion then. <laughs> I've got a bite on my leg, says Sue Ann. Yeah, OK, don't brag about it. They'll all want one, won't they, I should imagine. Kids' company. Thank you. Kids' company. This is the one that the government have held the, uh, the money back for. It's all very odd, actually, because the woman who runs it, Camilla, they, they've said they want her to step down before they give it money. So they obviously think that there's something not quite right there. Not quite right. Oh, look, a picture of Kelly Brook. Must be an old one. Her hips look quite slim here, whereas, in fact, we know that they're, uh, they're not. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, close to signing a deal to create a new Top Gear for two American firms... Battling ITV for his team. More on that ghastly Karen Danshuk creature. I mean, really, plain, unattractive, attention-seeking, no talent. Embarrassing for the children, I should imagine. Um, quickly, 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 who is this? Oh, uh, George Osborne saying £12 billion, because you've got that on Wednesday, haven't you, the budget? Now, I know many of you, all you worry about in the budget, it always seemed to me, every year, it used to be cigarettes, booze, tax... You know, now people worry about the welfare cuts. Now people worry about the inheritance tax. Now people worry about everything. You will get the full budget on Wednesday on LBC from 12 o'clock. And, uh, and they'll do it in a way that you'll understand it. Because sometimes you, you listen to some programmes and you begin to wonder if they're in the real world. Uh, more on um, Palmer's mob. 
This is uh, murdered John Goldfinger Palmer. Remember this one? This was the odd story the other week that this is now the 20th person who was linked in a strange way to the Brinks Matt robbery of the 80s, who was found dead in his garden. They originally thought heart attack. It wasn't until they put him on the slab that they realised he got six bullet holes in him. I think kind of a giveaway there. Murder. Little bit of a giveaway. But strangely, it took him six days to find that out. And yet I would have thought, as I pointed out on Friday on my programme, being sort of in the person at the cutting edge of all this, that when an ambulance turns up and they go suspected heart attack, the first thing they do in the ambulance is undo your shirt. Did they not notice the six bullet holes? What are they, blind ambulance crew now? Or going, oh, don't touch it, this is Goldfinger. Gold blind, this could be a dreadful one. Now they're saying he's got links to uh, to bent cops, so a secret dossier reveals. Well, we know there is such a thing. It's no good trying to to, uh, to sort of say that there isn't such a thing, because there is. But I'm amazed that this the arm of whoever it is has stretched far and wide to murder people. His house was isolated. I think it was only it was a quarter of a mile to the nearest neighbour, which, as far as I'm concerned, is isolated. And um, it was obviously in the garden. Somebody must have been hiding in the bushes, and they just they just shot him. Rumoured at one time to have been worth about 300 million. Quite clearly not at the end. They were fighting extradition orders, I believe. Uh, A blow to the hard up of you who can't stop smoking. If you're listening, Camilla Parker-Bowles, this is for you. Uh, then they're going to stop selling packets of 10 cigarettes. I never quite understood why people wanted to buy packets of 10 cigarettes. It was always a bit silly, but they're going to, um, they're going to stop selling. They said it's a blow to the hard up. Well, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less. You'll have to be hard up. You'll have to buy packets of 20, won't you? That'll hasten your end a little bit quicker. What's the point of smoking by a packet of 10? People say, oh, it's to help you cut down, isn't it? It's ridiculous. That's like saying, you know, we're actually going to take away benefits from people in an effort to get them back to work. That will encourage them to go back to work. That's like, that's like saying we're going to take away your medicine in the hope that you can cure yourself. Doesn't make any sense. Here's the former squaddy who uh, is having a sex change after dressing as a woman from eight stag do. This is Danielle Gormley, who was a muscle-bound soldier. I don't think so. And uh, it served in Iraq. She's now awaiting a date for a full operation. She realised she was transgender after going on a stag night in a cheerleader's pink tights and miniskirt. I'm only looking next door just to make sure everybody is what they say they are. Because, frankly, to be honest with you, you can come in this building one day, the next minute you're working with Greta. You know, and you've got no idea who Greta was, so they say, oh, that was Mark from the other day. Because nobody tells you anything. You're expected to realise these things. But I'm looking at a picture of this uh, of this soldier, you know, in, in sort of drag, and now he wants a full sex change. My God, that army's got a lot to answer for, hasn't it? Go into the army, we butch you up. I think not. We're feminising most of them. We had a woman the other day who who used to be a bloke. Or was it a bloke? I can't remember. I'm losing track of them now. And uh, appeared on the television. It was, it's all very strange. And so Danielle, who comes from Worcester, said uh, she's been to the local pub as a woman. When I, when I grew up in the little town we were there, our local vicar changed sex. And his wife and him then started living together as sisters. And it was the talk of, uh, talk of the town, because they then set up a little animal charity. And he'd be found sit- she would be found sitting outside in this dreadful grey wig, which looked like an old tea cosy that had been through the wash a few times. And uh, she'd sit outside there. They were about 70. And he, was, and he never actually had the full sex change, I don't think. But it, everybody used to go, did you see him today, sitting outside the shop? People used to talk about it. Like, now, of course, I mean, I could be working with loads of people. Most of the people in this building are suspect. Seriously, I walk in one day, I've got no idea whether I'm talking to Arthur or Martha. 14 to 8. 
Coming up at 8 on LBC, Stig Abel. Earlier this morning, the polls opened in Greece as people decided whether to accept new austerity measures. I'll be asking the question, has the great European project failed? Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel, this morning from 8 on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten minutes uh, to eight is the time. Stig just popped in a minute ago because we were talking about a story that the uh, the Sun bought up. But the, the other one that he's doing today uh, is the NHS paying for religious care. And I know this seems a bit ridiculous, but in every hospital you go into, the NH Trust spend the NHS Trust spend millions of pounds each year. Twenty three and a half million pounds was spent on chaplaincy services. This is so that there's a chaplain in there, in their multi-faith chapels. And I have to ask you, seriously, does anybody ever go into there? Does anybody? Heathrow Airport. There is a chaplain for Heathrow Airport. But this one in the NHS is ridiculous. I mean, these chaplains get between thirty and 40,000 part-timers, part-timers between twenty-five and 35,000 for doing what? For doing what? It's a hospital. I mean, blimey, if they seriously think you can cure it by prayer, close the hospital down, all go to go see the chaplain. Stig will be talking about that. I don't think he'll, don't think he'll be as harsh as, as me. I think he'll be quite caring about it. Um, and so the, um, the Sun have got uh, the Karen story. I think she's got very, very short shelf life. I'd like, to, I'd like to put a bet on, actually. I think very, very short shelf life. Uh, a bit like uh, shamed model Sophie Anderton, who's been arrested on suspicion of attacking a former boyfriend. She's barking mad, isn't she? It's like some of the people who've turned up in the Big Brother house. Jasmine Leonard. What in God's name is she doing there? Where's she come from? Cheltenham Music Festival it is today, that's why. Picture of Ricky Hatton, who's just fat and bloated now. Um, Freddie Flintoff has revealed how he once inspired England to victory by dancing naked to... I stepped into a burning ring of fire. The old Johnny Cash song, which was one of my uh, favourites. Uh, Lily Allen, front page of the, uh, of the Sun on Sunday... And I'm sort of looking, thinking, I mean, as she passed out from the heat, they said her eyes were rolling around. She's previously admitted to taking things that she, uh, that she shouldn't have done. So I suppose you can, you can only say, well, your naivety, you know, could be a downfall. It's ridiculous. I, I never understand why on earth people, you know, want to do things like that. I've never understood, you know, to put a, uh, you know, to put a horse tranquilizer inside your body it must be one of the daftest things I've ever heard. Uh, Camilla from Kids Company was told to step down or no further funding after she'd voiced concerns over austerity city causing more children in poverty. Um, yes, it's but interesting. The government have said um, no. They've said no more funding until she steps down. I think because what they were saying is she the the management of the money wasn't wasn't going in the way that they thought. And did you see? Says uh, Sean in soggy Brighton. The Dame Edna specs worn by Kate Any Price in yesterday's The Argus newspaper. Poor old soul, honestly. I mean, she, she has passed her sell-by date on quite a few occasions. It's so, she's got no sense of fashion. Uh, Jazz says, people in Brighton, Steve, have been out for years. Ha, 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 ha. And Malcolm says, when I was a kid, you could buy five woodbines in a paper packet. I'm old enough to remember just... Not not completely. The cigarette machines, people over the age of 70 will remember, the cigarette machines that for a penny dispensed one cigarette. One cigarette. You would turn the little handle at the side. You remember beech nut chewing gum, ladies and gentlemen? All those, you remember all those machines that we had on the street corner? Nobody ever vandalised them. 
Nobody ever vandalised them at all. They were just on there. And you put a penny in to get a packet of beech nut chewing gum. And there was the, uh, the black, I'm sure it was black cat cigarettes or something like that. Whatever it was, it was certainly one cigarette that you could get out of a machine. Isn't it funny? The things that, you know, the things that have changed over the years. Quite fast, I think. Uh, Bryn says, when I was a kid, we lived in Wood Green, North London. And a great trip with my uncle who had a car was to Southend-on-Sea. Southend. And the first shop, he says, the first shop that you saw as you entered the town was a huge milk bar named Rossi Ice Cream. Pure joy. And Rossi became a regular visit for us. Spiders and insects I can live with. My pet hate of which I'm actually scared of frogs. I hate, loathe and detest frogs. Little green things that leap everywhere and I'm terrified of them. When we visited our house in Florida, the lake at the back of the house bred thousands of them that screeched and squalled for hours. He said it was ghastly. Your programme ain't ghastly, he says, but great. Carry on the good work. Well, I hope you're coping over there, Bryn and Annie, in French France. I believe it's somebody's birthday tomorrow. I believe. Little bird tells me. Uh, a friend of mine has been in hospital twice, says Mary, because of spider bites. Kept in overnight. Had to go back for five days for intravenous. Beware of them. Oh, don't say that. I keep thinking somebody's crawling up the back of my neck. I don't know why. It's driving me mad. I've now become paranoid over the blooming thing. Uh, so the Queen's uh, 63 years as a monarch will be a record on September the 9th. September the, the 9th. Very interesting. Um... Sunday mirrors seem to have cobbled an interview together about Karen Danjuk. Uh, the people this morning, not really a fan of either Susan Boyle or Lyndon Nolan. Easy jet strike threat and the ghastly Dan Osborne with a photographer on holiday again uh, to her sister Katrina's wedding in Greece. The Towie star, the nasty piece of work, ladies and gentlemen. Don't ever mistake him for anything apart from a nasty little thug ghastly person. Couldn't care less whether he gets married or they split up or anything happens. I really couldn't care less. I think she's naive in the extreme. Uh, Kelly, I date Magnum P.I. I think, darling, you'd be looking for something a bit more attractive than you. I don't want to be rude, but frankly, you know, not exactly up there with the lookers, are you? And uh, Amy Childs, out to prove she's more than a pretty face. Turned up on the television the other day. Thank God they didn't let her speak. Because when she talks, it really is like listening to a three-year-old. Not good. And £65,000 for Wimbledon uh, final seats. That's some going, isn't it? £65,000. I'm sick to death of every time I see the, uh, the Wimbledon thing and the tennis is on all the time. It's so dreary and boring. There's so many empty seats. So many empty seats. Not good. Grace in Romford says, sauté and onion mixed with chopped tomatoes and a small tin of corned beef topped with mashed potato and baked for about half an hour. There you go. That's Romford for you, eh, Grace? That's Romford for you. Chaplaincy is great. They have time to talk and care for all patients and staff. I've always found them fantastic. I think so too at 40 grand a year. I mean, perhaps we can get a minor bird to talk to you in the same way. Can't really work that one out at all. What a dreadful waste of money. £23 million. £23 million. That could go for about a thousand nurses, ladies and gentlemen. A thousand nurses. And all we've got is a, is a chaplaincy. Uh, front page of the, uh, the Daily Mail. Uh, it's a picture of uh, uh, a jihadi girl who laughed over the killings, uh, laughed out loud. They held a minute silence uh, on Tunisia. And then she went, ooh. And um, really quite ghastly. Quite ghastly. I don't think we need to bother with her. She's a bit too stupid, isn't she? Uh, another one here. The Treasury fury is the military splashes, splashes out 120 million on staff, cars, and owns 15 golf courses. Good Lord. And uh, people are queuing for cash and even free snacks. 
which is something else. Uh, Amelia Fox and a coded marry me ultimatum to celebrity chef Marco Pierre White, I'm assuming. I hope she can cope with his little temper, his little tantrums. And uh, what else did I find in the mail on Sunday? Oh, yes, the mystery of a claim that Kids Company couldn't pay the staff. Well, certainly the leader of Kids Company, she's certainly a bright figure. You certainly don't miss her anywhere, do you? But um, I think it's quite interesting, the fact that they've obviously decided, unless she steps down, no more money at all. And uh, the Express, very quickly, crown jewel for baby Charlotte and statins linked to 227 deaths. Every day there's a story about statins in Mr Desmond's newspapers. In fact, at one point I thought, because there were so many uh, so many positive stories, I thought perhaps he had shares in a statin company. Or did I read that on Stig Abel's tweet? Probably I didn't, I remembered it. That's it uh, for today. Thank you so much for your company. Nine o'clock this evening. It's another chance to hear Aldo Zilli and Freddie Flintoff. I'm back with you tomorrow morning, beginning of the week. A fresh start, and don't forget budget on Wednesday. Let's see whether we're going to be better off or worse off. Little leaks have been coming out, I've been hearing, on the uh, on the programme. So have a great day. You can listen to LBC, as you know, whenever and wherever you like, by downloading the LBC app. If you missed any of today's show, the LBC podcast app is available for iPhones and Android phones too. At 10 o'clock this morning, it's Bev Turner. Coming up next, it's my good friend, Stig Abel.